When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry, I was just thinking episode. <laughs> episode? Like an etiquette episode? Hard, 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 hard. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this very special anniversary episode of Awesome Etiquette, we'll be celebrating our one-year anniversary by answering your questions. This week on lying, the use of the phrase no problem, how to handle it when your son is mistaken for being a girl, if you have standing to ask someone out, and making eye contact. All that plus a postscript segment on anniversaries coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. I am so excited about this anniversary episode, but just before we get to it, I think we want to take a moment and really thank you for your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas, your follow-up questions to our breastfeeding at a party question. Um, I want all of our listeners to know that Dan and I plan on doing a deeper dive into this topic as a whole in a future episode, but mostly we are incredibly grateful for your feedback because it really helps us form that future conversation, and we're really excited and plan on doing a deeper dive into the topic as a whole in a future episode. But right now, we want to celebrate our one-year anniversary with you. So... It is not only our one-year anniversary. It's also our 50th show. I feel old. No. Well, I I do feel old also, (laughs) but not just because of that. (laughs) Um, In some ways, the show makes me feel young again. It really is. um, It's such a remarkable opportunity, and we – Lizzie and I both appreciate all of you so much, and thank you so much for for being with us for this year. It's been a learning experience, and – and a really exciting process to get to share some of the, the inner workings of the Emily Post Institute and the work that we get to do around etiquette with, with all of you. Now, for those of you who are out there doing the math and wondering how a one-year anniversary can happen on a 50th show and not a 52nd or a 53rd. Good work, brilliant mathematicians. <laughs> when we started the show, our idea was that it was probably going to happen twice a month. It yeah. would be a biweekly podcast. But um, frankly, the response, the number of questions that we were receiving and the – the amount of fun that we were having doing it yeah. made it a very easy decision to if I could do this daily, I up would. our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty cool, too, that our 50th show happens on the one-year anniversary. It's kind of like two big numbers all at once. To it. I like some, it. I some dig roundness. It. I indeed. dig it. Um, we wanted to start off this show by talking about things that we love from the past year and things that we're really looking forward to. In the future. I, what we have you got? Doing or do you show wanna... prep. This was your idea, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, well, I think the, the, the answer <laughs> for me is is so obvious I could miss it. Okay. And that's that um, – This have, is favorite thing, right? Favorite thing. Favorite thing. And 
I got married this year and I got to share that experience with this gonna... show and with this audience. <laughs> so in some ways I got lucky in yeah. that I, I had one of those life events year. that, yeah, it is a memorable, big, exciting thing. But it was um, it was extra special to be able to share it with the audience of this show. And it made the experience of the wedding itself in some ways even better. I mean, the, the wedding was going to be amazing. Getting married is going to be amazing. <laughs> And really having a chance to to reflect on that and step mm-hmm. back and see it from a, a larger perspective and think about what about that I, I, I was comfortable sharing and what about it was really important to me um, was a remarkable experience. And, and hearing from all of you about that wedding and about my experience of it and your perceptions of me as I was going through it was, was – um, Really remarkable. And and I thank all of you for your good wishes, your congratulations, and your your positive thoughts and encouragement. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. Um, it really made me feel good. Your answer just kicked my answer's butt, I think. No, <laughs> not possible. I'm like, I don't I didn't have a big life moment with everyone to share. <laughs> I'm like, my favorite part, I'm gonna stand up and say it's still my favorite part. No. Yeah. I okay, so for me in general, just doing this show has meant the world to me. I love being able to connect with our audience. When um, when we get in touch with producers, when we get in touch with people who want to work with us and, and work with the Emily Post Institute, not to hire us to teach, but who kind of want to expose more of what we do, they always say, so what's the big thing? And I said, you know, truthfully, what people want are answers to their questions. And I love that over the course of the show, that's what we do. We answer people's questions. But, um, you know, I love the fact that we get to laugh. And Dan and I have a lot of fun making the show. But truly, the moment that stuck out for me and the thing that I was incredibly proud of one of our audience members for sharing was um, in a mailbag segment, we went back to a statement from Sabine from Germany. And she commented on, um, I think the episode had the non-date date in it. And it was sort of when you get together with a friend and you're not sure if that person actually wants to date you or not. And so you make a statement about being in a relationship or that you don't have time or you're too busy. And Sabine really called that out. And she said, you know, hey, the real issue is that you're not interested and you should own that. And it shouldn't have to be dependent on all these other factors as reasons. The reason should be you're not interested and that's okay. It doesn't mean you might not be interested in the future. It doesn't mean you weren't interested before and you aren't now. It just means that you need to be honest about that. And I wish... I wish we lived in a world where that was easier to say and not have it feel awkward or confrontational or judgmental or rejection. And I I would love for us to have the courage and the honesty that Sabine has. And I would love for us as a society to get to a place where that level of rejection isn't so hurtful. It's just an understanding and it's people communicating well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would be great. So to me, she so got at the heart of etiquette and at the heart of honesty. And I really appreciated that. Well, it's funny because you say, oh, it's a big thing and a small thing. But in some ways, that small thing is a huge thing. And it really is. It's a privilege that you share your questions with us and that that we get to answer those questions and and spend the time thinking about that with you. And um, I I feel very similarly, Lizzie, that that one of my favorite parts of the show is how personal it is and that it really is, I think, the best part of our work and that we get to do the best part of our work with so many people is is really remarkable. I'll tell you, the fact that you write in and tell us your secondary thoughts, questions, your follow-ups, the things that resonated with you and the things that didn't, the places where you think we missed the mark, I mean, that to us 
it means the most because it means that you value what we say, that we have a trusted conversation going on between us. One of the most impressive things when we get suggestions or or people questioning the advice that we give is I'm amazed at the number of times that someone from Awesome Etiquette, who, who's a, a real, you know, been with us since the beginning or blasted through over the course <laughs> of a weekend and binge listened, that you have the most amazing way of using the three principles in the five-step process to get your question across. You tell us that you love the show. You tell us all the things you appreciate about the advice. And then you say, I had an idea for you, or I was kind of surprised you didn't go here. You are are so, I mean, it's like you deserve an etiquette salute with the way you handle giving us feedback. It's remarkable. I truly feel like it's this beautiful relationship that we have with you, and I'm so happy that we have that. And we want to honor it. We do. On our anniversary here, and we that's, do. that's and really that's what we're, we're trying to do, and why we're going on and on, on and, and gushing, on. because it's it's how we feel, and it's the, it's the a truth. little bit that we can do to, to try to give a little something back. So, in the old, honor of old Enzyme, sort of, we looked back at, at what we love moving forward. Dano, what's the thing you're most looking forward to in the year to come? I'll tell you, you asked the question slightly differently than I was originally thinking about. He said, what am I looking forward to in the year to come? And yeah. when I initially thought about this question, I asked myself, what am I looking forward to in the future? In general, and I put a cap on it because, you my, know. The answer that I was thinking about was <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing the show for years to come. I'm yeah. looking forward to this being a long-term relationship. And um, it's an experience I've had with some of my favorite podcasts. So the people that host them feel like some of my oldest best friends. I know that's really um, – sort of dorky, but it's true. Um, it, it's a remarkable medium, this medium that we're working in, and and I enjoy it so much, and I'm looking forward to this being the beginning of a long and fruitful relationship. So Dan said that, so now I don't have to, but I'm going for the, the narrow scope of I'm calling him out. I'm saying I want him on the show. I want Jimmy Fallon on this show. Woo. I am so excited <laughs> about the guests that we have coming up in the, in the coming year and the people that we're excited to try to work with, and I want Jimmy Fallon on this show. He writes about thank you notes. So much of his comedy is based on awkward situations. The man gets it. And I want, I would love to talk with him about etiquette. I want to affirm you in that and tell you I just had an idea what do right you have? here. We also know Stephen Colbert is a big fan of Emily he Post. Is. He, he has pulled her had the book, book out, out on, the, on show. his show. We've got dueling late night hosts with etiquette segments. Maybe we could I'm work a you, little bring something him in out. For a great debate. That would be awesome. <laughs> Maybe. You could be a guest on one show and I could be a guest on the other show and we could have some sort of etiquette. Oh, no. I want them both here with us. Okay. We can do that, too. (laughs) (laughs) With that, do you think that we should honor our audience and get to their questions on our anniversary show? I think that is a really good idea. Let's do it. Hey, come on. Recording. Take two. Get down. (laughs) Perhaps you can help me with the problem. I'd like to advise Jim. My advice? Yes, I've got quite a serious problem. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for your awesome podcast. Listening to you two is inspiring and meaningful. Learning is a lifelong process, and your information definitely adds to this journey. I would like to ask you a two-part question about lying. Since most of us were children, we have been told not to lie, but no one ever talks about what you do if you encounter one. 
It seems that lies are everywhere, within people, situations, and conversations. Clearly, lying should be avoided at all costs. However, in social situations, what should you do if you have caught somebody's lie? If you have noticed that you have lied, what's the best way to make up for it? Please help me explore this taboo topic. Thank you for reading the email. Kind regards, Tall, from Sydney, Australia. So, what do you think for Tall? I love it because you've got a fabulous perspective online. You've kind it's, of nixed lying from your whole... It's it's definitely one of my favorite themes in etiquette and etiquette discussions. And this question is remarkable in that it, it approaches it from a slightly different tack. Because usually our advice about etiquette is you, uh, you're asking yourself, how do I improve myself? How do I make myself better? So, for me, the question with honesty is usually a, a question of self-reflection and self-analysis. Am I being honest? Am I being truthful? And... <laughs> I've talked on this show before about the transformative power of committing to telling the truth, that I was someone who um, used used to live quite comfortably with the little white lie, um, particularly when I was storytelling. And I would offer these little embellishments, these little elaborations that that to me often made a better, more interesting story. Oftentimes it was for the benefit of of someone else who would – you know, the fish gets a little bigger each time you tell that fishing story. Oh, and they're so excited <clears throat> to listen. <laughs> exactly. It makes for a great story. It's for everyone's benefit, right? It so doesn't Dan seem caught a guppy. <laughs> like it hurts anybody. And when I started working at Emily Post, we were answering questions and we were answering questions based on our framework of consideration, respect, and honesty. And I was so often telling people to be honest, I had to do a little self-reflection. And When I started really committing to eliminating those harmless little white lies, I was amazed at how transformative it was as an experience, that it really... Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day... We here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Um, 
It was a liberation of sorts. And there's an old expression that says, if you the always tr- tell the truth, <laughs> you never have to remember anything. Go ahead, say it. The truth shall set you free. And it can. And it's really remarkable. And I oftentimes take a, an opportunity to teach etiquette as an opportunity to really affirm this message as, as, yeah. as much as possible. This is a slightly different tack because it's not about committing to not telling a lie. <laughs> and it's not about how freeing that can be. No, no. This is dealing with somebody else's lie. What do you do when you're, when you're confronted with dishonesty? And it's a much more difficult question. And I'm going to start to parse it a little bit. That um, this question contexts that discovery in a social situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that in social situations, you're afforded a little more latitude in terms of how you might deal with dishonesty. I think that sometimes – As opposed to a business situation where it's really You start to get into an ethical question where if if there's information that's false, that's circulating, it can really be a problem. And and you might have an ethical um, responsibility or responsibility to your organization to get it addressed. Um, Understood. Yeah. I like – let's stick with the social context for this question. Yeah. Even if it's symptomatic, even if it's if it's something where it's illustrative of a behavior, you don't think it's particularly damaging. I yeah. think in those contexts, critical to address it. In a social circumstance, sometimes your interest is in the comfort of others and mm-hmm. your interest is in not shaming or embarrassing others and pointing out a lie in the moment during a social situation I think could um, do more harm than good. That we oftentimes say take difficult conversations into private. Mm -hmm. And I think that if it was the kind of thing where you felt uh, compelled to confront the lie or acknowledge that you were perceiving something that was less than honest, I think that might be an important thing to do in a social situation, Mm -hmm. that you might wait and do it in private, that you might try to um, make it as – as easy to hear as possible so someone can address that lack of honesty in themselves and not get too defensive in the process. So if there's a way that you can point out (laughs) that you found this out without necessarily challenging someone's integrity, I know that can be difficult. Um, I'm not sure that's possible. uh, Is it? You might even offer them the excuse in terms of how you bring it up. Like how? (laughs) You know, you said said something earlier that sounded like a bit of an exaggeration to me. Yeah. Is it really true that... I can think of ways that with with the right sort of tone of voice and an acknowledgement that we all do it. You know, sometimes when I tell a fishing story, the fish gets bigger each time so that they don't feel like their integrity is being challenged, but that it's just the information that you're addressing. I wish we knew what kind of lie Tal's talking about here because there's the exaggeration lie and then there's the boldface lie Mm. that's just straight out not a truth like um, the – Oh, I was sick yesterday and really I went to play golf. Or, you know, the the classic one that always shows up in the sitcoms is like the couple and and one of the couple tells a lie to their partner and it's, oh, where were you really, you know? I I wish life was a situation comedy. In real life, oftentimes those bold-faced lies um, can really call someone's integrity or character into question. Yeah. And I think that's another reason to take it into private. I think so too. That that we often talk about how – how difficult it is to reestablish trust once it's lost in a relationship, the work that's required to do that. And when you call out someone in a lie, you're you're calling out their trustworthiness and that's such a pillar of good relationships that I, I think it it requires some care. I think another consideration yeah. to, to have in mind when you're thinking about is it my responsibility to address this lie? Right. Is whether your um, knowledge about that lie starts to affect your own integrity. <laughs> and Interesting. I think that sometimes if you feel like you've been brought into something that's secret or a deception, that it can be 
important for you in terms of being an honest and sincere person yourself. To not be accomplice to, to the lie. To not be an accomplice to the lie. Yeah. And, and how you get yourself out of that. I think that maybe talking to the person who told the lie is the first place to go. Yeah, that private conversation. So, uh, you know, this it's a work situation, but a coworker has lied about being sick and you mm-hmm. now know about it. Or, you know, take it into a social situation. A fellow team captain for Little League has made some excuse and they're not coming, but you know why. And other people are wondering why and they want to know from you. If you've somehow been made party to the lie, um, I think that's a time where it becomes... Party to the truth, really. Yeah. Yeah, that, where, yeah. Where it really becomes up to you to address that lie with the person because you're you're now getting drawn into that, that web of deception and yeah. deceit. And I think that's a situation where it's important to confront that. Yeah. Jim, this is what I know. I just want you to be aware of the fact that I know it. It's your your place to be dealing with it. But if I know, you never know who else might know. And if people ask me about it, I, I, I've got to approach it like this. Yeah. And, and, and then you're taking responsibility. And... In that situation, one of the best pieces of advice I've always thought that if someone came up to me and said, hey, you know, I, I heard that Jim skipped out on that game because of such and such. You can say, you know, I really think you should go talk to Jim about that. I think that's great advice. And that's what I would I would tell Jim. Hey, Jim, I want you to know this is what I know. It's your place to deal with it. But should anyone ask, I'm going to send them to you to ask about it. And it's your choice what you then do with that. Yeah. Um, there's a second part to this question yeah. that's asking, what, what do you do if you notice that you've lied? <laughs> and as is Own it. always the case, yeah, <laughs> acknowledge it as soon as possible. Try to get the truth out there. And if if it's important offer an apology and and follow through on your apology by not repeating the mistake again in the future. I, I would love to say that I never lie anymore, but that wouldn't be entirely truthful. But I do notice when they slip out of my mouth and oh, boy, I do, I do my best to as soon as they get out and I'll, I'll make that correction as soon as possible mm-hmm. and I'll try to get it on the record and on the books, even for my own mental sanity within a sentence or Keep two if I possibly clear. can. And yeah. I find it really helpful with a little bit of practice. You will notice when something that's untrue comes out of your mouth. And um, I think that's a good place to be. I think it's worth making that commitment to, to speaking the truth as much as humanly possible. Tall, we hope that that at least answers some questions and get a start to thinking about lying in a different kind of way and whether you feel comfortable confronting someone that you catch in a lie about it. Our next question is no problem. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for the podcast. It's become a helpful resource for me, and I've been making positive etiquette changes in many areas of my life. My current quandary. When someone says thank you and the person being thanked says no problem instead of you're welcome, is that rude? When I say no problem, I mean it as a shorthand for it was no trouble at all, no thanks needed. But I have had people argue that the no problem sounds rude. It seems to be a generational divide. My elders find it very rude. My peers or younger people don't seem to. I'm in my 30s. Since some people take it as rudeness, I'm trying to adjust, as I don't mean to offend them. But is it inherently rude? Do some things grow less rude over time? (laughs) Thanks for any insight you can offer. Best, R. R, this is a fabulous question. And believe it or not, it's one we've gotten many a time. Um, No problem, no worries, it was nothing are all responses that you're right. The intent behind them is, oh, this was no skin off my back. Don't worry about it. This was easy to do. No thanks necessary. Exactly. And the trouble with that is that when you deny someone the act of gratitude, then I think 
it's it's really not your place to do that. That you want to accept their thanks rather than deny it. So it's why when you say no problem, it gives the idea like you're pushing away their gratitude, and instead you should accept it. So. A really great way to do that, and to kind of still give that air of "this was no trouble," is to say, "Hey, it was my pleasure. Like I was oh, happy to do it." I like that it was and my pleasure. It's a way yeah. of putting the positive spin on what you want to say, rather than the negative of "no problem." I, I really like that, and I like this idea of having a range of options. Yeah. Um, I also like your essential focus on um, receiving gratitude. That we talk about it's important to receive gifts well and gratitude is a gift and receiving yeah. that gift well is important. So I, I, I couldn't agree more that the default is you're welcome. Right. You receive that Which gift people have trouble graciously. Saying. And I think that the problem here that, that our questioner is sort of starting to get at with this generational approach mm-hmm. or – Divide. Um, is that the default becomes the no problem or mm-hmm. it was nothing. And that always minimizes the thank you. That always minimizes the act. And sometimes you've done something that is worthy of thanks <laughs> and you should receive that gratitude. And having a you're welcome or a, it was my pleasure, if your welcome sounds too formal, too constructed for you, I love that idea of it was a pleasure. As a society, it's funny, but we kind of have trouble taking credit for things. And your welcome makes us feel like we're ta- – like, oh, yeah, you should be thanking me. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. We're so quick to put a negative spin on stuff. And your welcome doesn't do that. It just acknowledges that, yeah, you did do something for someone and they are grateful for it. So acknowledge that gratitude. It's okay. That you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I was happy to do it. And every once in a while, uh, it was no trouble or it was no problem is is a yeah. good option in your toolbox and your range of options. Sure. But just don't have it be your default and don't use it all the time. And definitely exactly. be prepared to accept those thanks also. And in your case, R, you're noticing it as a generational divide. So when you're talking with people of a, of a generation above you or a couple generations above you, then by all means, be aware of the people around you and use that you're welcome. And when you're with your friends, you know that they understand it's no no problem, no worries is no big deal. We've titled this question, Rapunzel, let down your golden hair. I mean, Jack, let down your golden hair. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. My 10-year-old son has very long, very beautiful hair that he decided to grow out a few years ago. I also have a 7-year-old daughter. Almost every time we go out to eat or shopping, someone will refer to my girls or young ladies. Most people assume I have two girls. I've talked to my son about how it can be hard to identify gender at such a young age. He seems totally okay with this when it happens, but I don't like it, and I'm worried that he doesn't either, but he doesn't want to make a big deal. My question is, when is it appropriate to correct someone, and what is the best way to do it without embarrassing him? And it was wonderful. She included a picture of her son, and I will say he has the most gorgeous, thick, long, blonde hair I've ever seen. I mean, he he truly has beautiful, long, blonde hair. But I can imagine that this is a problem. It's just like I I remember teaching a little girl when I was a student teacher who had – she cut her hair super short and she happened to have an actual very deep voice. And so she was always being mistaken for a boy. Mm -hmm. And I think you just make the correction. Yeah. You know? As as, as quickly and easily as possible. Oh, that's my son Jack or my son – Caleb, whatever his name is. Exactly. Um, This question hits a little close to home for me. I love it. I decided to grow my hair out, as you know, when I I think I was about 11 years old. Yep. And by the time I was 13, I had the ponytail. By the time I was playing hockey on the varsity hockey team at age 16, I was braiding my hair and it would come out of my my helmet in a braid down my back. (laughs) 
And <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't remember it's seeing true. that. It's true. And, and the team that I was playing on, it was before there was a girls varsity hockey team at Harwood, had a couple girls on it. And fans from other teams knew that we had a girl on our team and would think that I was the girl mm-hmm. and would oftentimes cheer or cheer yeah, <laughs> however, accordingly. Yeah. It's not that big a deal. And yeah. and your, your son's 10 years old and people are going to make that mistake. They make People make that mistake with little babies all the time. Yeah. And they're going to make that mistake uh, less and less frequently. Um, usually around the time of puberty, they're going to stop making that mistake. Yeah. So for now, just be persistent and consistent and let yeah. people know. Yeah. Actually, this is my son. And that's it. And with that happy tone, it makes it light and a simple mistake. You know, you know how it can happen. We hope that helps. And if your son is listening, keep growing that hair out, little guy. Our next question has to do with something we talk about often on this show, and that's standing. Begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I write to ask about modern dating etiquette. By the way, Lizzie, I think this topic deserves its own book. (laughs) I'm a young man approaching my 30s and can often relate to Lizzie's struggles with how increasingly indifferent and impolite the dating scene has become. My question is twofold. First, I know you've spoken about asking someone out well and breaking up with someone well. However, in asking someone out, does standing come into play if this person is a casual acquaintance who I don't normally see on a regular basis? For example, suppose you... Lizzie, ran into a guy every so often and had pleasant exchanges. Is it presumptuous of him to ask you to go on a date with him if he is not in your social circle and you've never spent time with him on purpose? Or can he ask you to join him for the ambiguous drink or coffee and then ask you on a date? Second, what is the appropriate next step if a first date, such as an online date, doesn't show enough promise for a second date? Should I, if I did the asking, reach out and let the person know that I enjoyed my time with her but don't see it going further? Or is it arrogant of me to dump the other person who may or may not have been interested in seeing me again? Thank you very much for your attention. I look forward to many more years of podcasts. Sincerely, Unattached in California. Hi, Unattached. (laughs) I was Unattached in California once. You were Unattached (laughs) in California once. I would love it. I would love it if more of the the handsome, nice, considerate men that I run into at coffee shops and at <laughs> stores would say, hey, I've seen you here before. Do you want to go grab coffee sometime? Mm-hmm. It would be lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> just saying. I think that um, – I think that Lizzie you post you're blushing. <laughs> I am because I feel like I just made a call to all of our audience to ask me on a date. But I basically I think that you do have standing. A lot of times when you run into people at places that you frequent, you do that kind of normal like, oh, hey, like the head nod or the smile or, oh, yeah, I see you here. I've seen you here before. And um, I think you do want to take into consideration kind of how. How much interest have you seen this person? But I think it's, you know, it's like um, if they're always zipping in, just giving you a hate and then zipping out, like it's probably they're not interested. You know, they probably would linger a little bit or maybe give you more of a smile or strike up a conversation about the long line or the menu or something. But if those things haven't happened, it, there's no reason that you can't just say, hey, you know, I see you here every week and I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind having a coffee one day or if you'd like to go for a walk or something like that. Whatever. Just something very light, very gentle, very casual. Yep. Um, you'll know immediately. And the other thing is that if it doesn't go well, if they say I'm not interested, which hopefully is what they would be honest about if they weren't. Then I think it's really important that the next time you see them there to do your normal smile and hello and exchange. And that 
I think is what this world needs more of if things don't go the way you were maybe hoping them to go. And I think if it does go the other way, and let's say now for his follow-up question, let's say you go on a couple dates with this. Maybe the coffee date goes well, so you guys go out to dinner and see a movie or go catch a show or something like that. And you realize, okay, you know what, this really isn't happening. Then I think it is um, I think it is good to say, you know, I, I have enjoyed the past couple times that we've gone out, but I think for me this isn't working or I'm not seeing this moving further. But I really want to thank you for the time we've spent together. Does that sound good? Did it you? does. No, I Okay, I, you're I think married it's... now, so it's a little different. You're, I know. And you're biased because, like, you know, I'm your cousin. That's awkward. But <laughs> how would you feel if someone said that to you when you were dating out in Cali? <sighs> I think there's nothing wrong with that light touch goodbye. Yeah. And you, we were talking earlier about the key to being a little more open with how you ask is yeah. being willing to accept that ending. The rejection. And not have, Potential it, rejection. And not have it impact the way you would interact with that person or in behave the in the future. Yeah. I think your willingness to hear that no and accept it instantaneously, maybe to even be as prepared to affirm a yeah. no as you are a yes. Yeah. And I think that the same is true after a first date. I yeah. don't think that it needs to be really fraught and good communication. You know, I had a good time the other night. Don't think I'm interested in doing it again. I, I think that <laughs> I had a good time, but I really don't. I know. And so, once again, your sample no, scripts are so much better. No, than no, mine, no. But, but it's true. It is that awkward moment of this wasn't bad, but it wasn't good enough for me to want to do that. And you don't want to say that to someone. And that's why you say I did have a nice time getting to know you. But I think my interests aren't in pursuing this for a long-term relationship, mm -hmm. that sort of a thing. I also think that, um, you know, you make a good point about such as an online date. And it's funny because sometimes that silence and that, you know, so, oh, he didn't call again. He must not have been interested. What I don't like about it is that it leaves someone hanging for a couple days, a week, two weeks before they really get the hint that this isn't happening. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of as soon as you know you're not interested, letting the other person know. But I understand what our listener is um, hesitant referring about. hesitant yeah. about. And I just so you know, I've actually gone back and forth with with him. So I, I know it's mm -hmm. I know he is him. Um, and, and that's why I'm using the pronoun. But he said, um, I think that's what he's hesitant about. And I think it's OK to acknowledge that, too, and just say, hey, I didn't want to just do the thing where I don't respond at all and leave mm -hmm. leave either of us wondering. So I thought I would be clear and let you know that I did have a really nice time getting to know you. For me, I'm not seeing a future here. And I just want to thank you for that time. You're painting, I think, a bigger picture that's an important one to acknowledge, sure. which is and, – and it's acknowledging the question how difficult breakups are in general. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes someone really wants to know. They want to hear the reasons. They want some details. It makes them feel better finding that mysterious and elusive closure. Yeah. Other times that's just adding insult to injury. It's just painful to hear about the reasons why you're not a good match. That's why we keep those reasons very simple. <laughs> and, 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 and exactly. And figuring out how to, to give enough information so that someone feels like they've been respected – and they haven't just been run out on without getting into that uncomfortable territory of all of the details of why you're leaving or not interested to begin with. You don't like golf with. and football, so I don't see a future here. I don't need to say that to anybody. <laughs> really not. And 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 that's tricky. That's 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 a subtle space. That's some so that's that's some territory that's not easily defined. And I, I can understand and appreciate the awkwardness. Yeah. Well, Unattached in California, we hope that that helps answer your questions. And we hope that whoever you might be thinking of asking out on that date says yes and that you two have a great time. My question is, I've been married for 10 years. and My wife is saying I'm being rude and ignoring her by not looking into her eyes 
every time I speak to her. I'll be walking past her. She'll ask me a question. I'll answer it. And then she'll jump all over me saying, you weren't looking at me. Why don't you face me? It's getting to the point where, you know, she's talking about divorce. It's absurd. So I guess my question is, what's proper etiquette in communicating with your wife and looking in their eyes? I understand if you're sitting across from one another at dinner. Yeah. But in the other scenario I described, you know, or just being in the same room, if one person is facing one way and the other person is facing the other, is it necessary to stop what you're doing and turn around and look them in the eye? This is a great question, and um, it sounds like it's a pretty serious situation. So I want to acknowledge that. And it's a really good reminder, I think, for all of us how important eye contact is in communication, that it's something that we talk about in introductions, the importance of making eye contact when you introduce yourself. That's the initiation of a relationship and how fundamental and critical it is to make and sustain eye contact and, and to do it well. And it's true for communication as it's sustained throughout the relationship. We are remarkable and by we I mean all of us human people in that we can follow each other's attention based on where we're looking. It's a, a remarkable biological trait and it matters to how connected you are when you're communicating with someone and when someone's not looking at you, it can really feel like you're being ignored, like you're being minimized, like you're not even there. So and you can understand where his wife is coming from. I really can and I think that we need to, to look at this question starting from a baseline of eye contact is an important part of communication. It's an important part of communication. Uh, conversation and interacting with the people around us. And that's both our peripheral people, people we're just meeting, people in our work life, mm -hmm. and also the people that are absolutely closest to us, our spouses, our children, our parents. There are a couple tips about making eye contact. If it starts to get awkward or unsettling, you can always look at the bridge of someone's nose. I just want to, to get that out there on the table because for a lot of people, it can feel difficult to make and sustain eye contact. And, mm -hmm. and there are little tricks and tactics you can use to teach yourself to do it. I also think that there's a question about how entitled we feel to have each other's attention and the people that we live with very closely, the, the ways that we get each other's attention and hold each other's attention, demand each other's attention um, are important to look at also. I'll, I'll tell a little personal story from my wife and I. We've, we've really worked on this. It's something that worked on nothing. It's something that we've acknowledged and we've actually made a change on. It's not that that difficult for us. We try not to shout to each other from another room. That when you're in another room, you don't call to the next room for someone to answer you or respond to something you're doing or that, that it's a demand for attention that's not always a realistic expectation to be mm -hmm. having of someone else. And I think that it's important that a party who's going to feel aggrieved about not getting your full attention, not not having you make and sustain eye contact when you're conversing, has also established that that's a, an appropriate moment to be asking for that attention also. So I think you've got those two things at play here when you're trying to decide whether or not it's appropriate or whether or not it's really important that you make eye contact before you respond to somebody or as you respond to somebody. So I think that's a really good you know, analysis and thoughts for the bigger picture. And now for for more kind of yeah. narrowing in on what our listener is experiencing, I can really see both sides of this issue. I can see his wife's desire for that connection and that contact and that respect that yeah. eye contact gives. And I think it's important. And I think he understands that in the context of dinner or when they are actually engaged in having a conversation, moments together, things like that. 
Absolutely. He's there. He understands that. But I think that the part that gets tricky are those moments where, you know, you are living in a house with somebody else. You are going through day-to-day things with someone else where you're not always going to have their full attention all the time. And I don't think that's always necessary to show respect and consideration to someone. And so the moments where I see it, and let's just run through the places he identified it in, walking down the hallway. I think that there are times where you walk down the hallway and she asks a question and you answer it as you're walking by and it's no big deal. And I think other times it is really important to stop for a moment and have her ask that question. I'm curious as to if she stops when she meets him in that hallway mm-hmm. and and tries to get his attention and he just keeps walking, which I think would be rude. But, you know, if she's also just passing by and throwing the answer at him as they cross paths, maybe I think that's the moment, you know, it's like I can picture plenty of times where I'm going up the stairs and Do my you have that. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I'm going yeah. up the stairs and my mom was going down and it's that quick exchange and you're on your way. But I do see those moments as stronger when you take that moment to pause, look at each other during the exchange and go for it. Other scenarios, when you're both watching TV and, you know, you're talking about a play on the game or maybe you're laughing about something in a sitcom or a movie or something like that and talking about it, oh, that reminds me of this. I don't necessarily think you have to look at each other in that moment to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um I also think that it is important to listen, as Dan was saying, it's important to listen to your spouse, the person that you are in this relationship with and living your your day-to-day ins and outs. There are times when you need the break and you need that moment um, where you say, hey, I need 45 minutes of just me time. And I think there are other times where it's really important to listen to the, hey, this is important to me. And if this is really important to your wife, I think that you're not going to have to do it absolutely every single time that you talk to her. But I think that, you know, if you're if you're working on a hobby, let's say at a desk in the same room that she's, you know, I don't know, my mom does crossword puzzles. So I'm thinking crossword puzzles. You all can have a whole conversation without looking at each other. And it's completely respectful. But, you know. Those passing exchanges, maybe it is just a little beneficial to say, I'm going to take the time because this matters to her to look at her in that moment. And I'll tell you, even those moments, and I I love the idea of like the watching TV or you're tying flies at your hobby bench, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I think that the don't ever underestimate the power of a quick glance. Yeah. That you look up and just establish that eye contact and then you can get back to what you're doing. And maybe the mechanics of just that touch base, that eye to eye contact touch base before you get back to your whatever it is you're you're working on or engaged in. Mostly, listener, I really hope that this does not lead to what you suggested might be coming, which is divorce. I think that this is an easy fix and this is one that that y'all can come together on. And I really hope that that is the case. Best of luck to you and your wife making a little more eye contact. Sure, you're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn. But it's worth it. One way is by watching others. Thank you to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your Awesome Etiquette question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860. By the way, we did have a listener write in, and apparently Slate's podcast has the, the R-U-D-E rude as the last four. But Slate. 
They don't have the same, I think it's called the extension as we do. The 866 is different, so maybe we could still get it. But please leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag AwesomeEtiquette so that we know you want it on the show. I want to start today's postscript by thanking the listener that came up with the name postscript for this segment. When we were thinking about our favorite things from the first year, one of my little things that was a little favorite thing was the fact that this segment got named by the audience. <laughs> and it was something we couldn't do on our own. We were debating it, this, that, the other thing. I love anyway. it because it used to be the name of my dad's advertising agency. <laughs> so – The postscript today, we're going to return to traditional etiquette. Some of my favorite postscripts are the ones where we we look at traditional etiquette. And this being our anniversary episode, we thought it'd be a good time to look at traditional anniversary gifts. So this being our first anniversary, the traditional gift for a first anniversary is paper. And I I, did not buy you stationery. I'm sorry. Well, and it's okay. So thank you for jumping in because the way I want to approach this segment is that there is oftentimes what's perceived as the traditional gift. So paper, you would get someone stationery and and it's a great first anniversary gift. They're setting up their home, their office. Should I have bought you wallpaper instead? Ooh, another interesting gift. No. Paper plates? How about this? No. You can always write that special someone in your life a a letter. Paper. That paper is a great opportunity to write a letter. And I really love the approach of thinking about creative ways to tackle these traditional themes. So uh, for your 60th anniversary, you might buy a pair of diamond earrings for your beloved. Um, I won't live for a 60th anniversary, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, but there might also be uh, a, a way to play on the theme of a diamond that yeah. that is creative if it was out of your budget to buy a, a rich pair of diamond studs. So I thought we would go down through the list, through the list. and hit it's some an highlights. Extensive list, it is man. an extensive list. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit them, and if I have a little brilliant idea for a way to play with it, I'm going to offer. I'm going to invite you, my cousin, to do so also. Okay, <laughs> you know I won't be able to keep my mouth shut. So first anniversary paper. So stationery would be a great one. A letter might be an example of a, a, a non-traditional gift. Origami. Sorry. Brilliant. Just thought it was cute. <laughs> uh, second anniversary, cotton. Um, T-shirts. No. Well, linens yeah. but would be the traditional. And, but you're right, like a, a, a logo tee or something like something a little personalized, maybe a special love you forever. Who knows? I'm such a dork. Uh, third anniversary, leather. Ooh, like a um, or faux leather if you're vegan and really stay away brilliant. from leather and animal products. Just saying. Yeah, and it could be a faux leather. I'm thinking like a moleskin journal. Yeah, or something like or uh, a faux skin journal. Uh, anniversary four, fruit or flowers? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> fruit or flowers? Mm-hmm. Oh, let me just tell you what has been a family favorite in the post family, and that is, and yes, I'm going to drop a brand name, but Harry and David fruit the fruit of the month club. Oh, of course, <gasps> fruit of the month. That's like the best gift ever. Brilliant. When you get those peaches, whoa. Fifth anniversary. Yeah, keep going. Wood. And I'm going to give credit where credit's due to Hallmark. (laughs) They had the idea of take your sweet significant other for a walk in the woods. Sixth anniversary, candy. I'm a big fan. Gummy bears, hello. (laughs) Seventh, wool. Okay. Okay. Would you buy Pooj a sheep? 
No. <laughs> no? Although she'd love it. There's an alpaca farm near our house. It's her favorite thing. We might go take a tour of the alpaca farm. Okay, the, so you could the, do something like that. You, you could. And I think more traditionally, a cashmere sweater or something like that. But, yeah. Um, or blank. I mean, there's wool blankets. There's wool socks. That's a big thing in Vermont. Eighth anniversary pottery. You could do like one of those paint your own things. You could have something specially made. Love it. <laughs> uh, ninth is willow or wicker. Willow or wicker. Oh, sure. Well, think about willow wisps. So wicker, you do baskets, all kinds of beautiful things Interesting. with that. Very traditional. Go <laughs> take like, a weaving willow. class. <laughs> <laughs> what about a willow tree? My, Not my a bad aunt, idea. My if you really uncle, wanted to stick to the themes. Well, and my aunt and uncle planted a willow tree on the day, I think, like the year their daughter was born. Uh-huh. And so then it grew up, you know, and it was like this beautiful Lovely. tree. I don't know. Just an idea. Hmm. Good for the environment. The 10th anniversary, tin or aluminum? We touch our first metal here. Tin. You're not going to go with jewelry or something. I think that's one that's going to require something uh, a little creative. Beg to differ. Uh-oh. That little tin ring from Breakfast at Tiffany's that they get engraved in the mo That's pretty special from the Cracker Jack box. I'm telling you, don't try to duel gifts with Lizzie Post. <laughs> <laughs> she just came up with a Tiffany-themed Breakfast <laughs> at 10th Tiffany's. anniversary I'm not gift. Fan. All right. But uh, no, tin. You could do all kinds of things with tin. I'm just saying. I like it. Steampunk movement. There's, I'm, keep going. (laughs) 11th, steel. 12th, silk or linen. I like how you just skipped steel. You didn't give any suggestions. (laughs) 13th, lace. Also could be fun. Or just nice and pretty. Exactly. 14th, animals. Now, this is one that I actually, I I looked up because I was like, what animals? It used to be ivory. And we say that you don't give ivory oh, we, any yes, longer. So this is definitely a traditional gift that you're going to um, really transition this one to a more contemporary theme. And animals <laughs> does not mean a small ivory statue of an animal. No. No. <laughs> um, 15th anniversary crystal. Wait, can we go back to animals? Yes, I we also can. don't I, – I really want to kind of stand up on a little soapbox here for a moment and also just remind people that animals are not just gifts to be given, that you need – this needs to be a responsible choice in your life. And – I look at this as go for go for the little statuette, go little for the animal. something or something, you know, maybe maybe it is that leather bound book that has and I'm not saying leather bound so that then you're giving an animal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm saying it that maybe it has some kind of an emblem of your favorite animal on it or something like that or, you know, um, support an animal cause, something like that. But mm. for those considering adopting or or getting a, a pet it is so important to make sure that that is not done as a, a big romantic gesture, but instead something that's long thought out that the care of the animal is really in mind. I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and thank you for the, the good message, too. Uh, 15th anniversary crystal. And now we're going to jump to every yeah, five. And they start pretty, to get fun. Sparkly. Uh, 20th anniversary China. By the way, crystal, you can make rainbows with it. Just saying. And by the 20th, it's oftentimes time to replace a couple plates in the China set. I like it. <clears throat> yeah. Or a trip to China. <gasps> also, I Chinese like it. food for the <laughs> evening. Just saying. Uh, 25th anniversary silver. I got nothing. Is I'm, I'm in jewelry silver mode at this point. When we start getting exactly. into jewelry and gems and cool things and pocket watches and yeah, exactly. Sorry. And then the thirtieth pearl, and this mm. one sort of had a fun uh, a fun twist on it. Uh, you could always start a really fancy dinner with an oyster course <gasps> if you weren't going to go with a full string of pearls. Thirty fifth mm-hmm. coral, fortieth ruby. I like coral. Forty fifth sapphire. I am really okay with rubies and sapphires. <laughs> I think and these pretty much stand just, on their you own. Know, yes. I mean, maybe go with the color if you can't afford the actual gem. But 
50th gold, 60th diamond. May we all be so fortunate. I like it. Indeed. Thank you so much for bearing with us through the long list. And we Listeners, hope that helps. And I'm we'll just definitely... saying, wait, I'm cutting you off. This was it. our 50th episode. If you want to be sending us, what is it? Sapphires? Oh, 50th is gold. 50th is gold. We accept gold. I just want to put that out. We accept gold as a gift. We like that. 8 p.m. if you want to, you know, throw some gold our way as a congratulations. We're happy about that, too. I wouldn't mind just saying. You can cut me off at any point. I'm going to keep asking for it. I'll jump in and be like, okay, we'll take the paper, too. Thank you so much for all of your, your thoughts and your contributions over this last year. We really appreciate it. And we can't wait till we get the cotton next year. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? On our anniversary episode, we have a lovely salute from a lovely listener. And I really like this because it was the kindness of strangers that founded this salute. And I I thought it was really beautiful. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. First of all, I would like to start by saying I absolutely love your podcast. It's a total highlight of my day. I wanted to give an etiquette salute to a man named Ray who really went out of his way to help me out last fall. I had broken my foot, and as a result, I was in a cast and on crutches for two months. I did continue to work during this time, but unfortunately, my assigned parking spot was about a block and a half from the hospital in which I worked. So every day, I would crutch that block and a half between my office and the parking lot. One day in November, I was leaving work, and it was absolutely pouring rain. Unfortunately, there was really nothing I could do about it except crutch as fast as I could and hope I didn't slip on a wet leaf. I was making my way to the car, getting increasingly more wet, when another hospital employee, whom I had never met before, walked up to me with an umbrella. Without me asking him to, he ended up walking with me all the way to my car, holding the umbrella over my head while he himself got wet in the rain. I was extremely touched by this gesture and was just so appreciative. That little act of kindness continues to inspire me to this day. That is my etiquette salute. Best, Brittany. I mean, come on. How more apropos is that? Thank you, Brittany. I'm going to take a little inspiration from that moment as well. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today, our anniversary show. Thank you so much for getting us to our one-year anniversary. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we look forward to continuing to spend more time with you as time goes on. And don't forget that there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute, as well as Awesome Etiquette. And on Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by the awesome Hans Buto. 